from high atop his mountain of index cards and tournament brackets, this is the Joy of Booking, a fantasy booking podcast. Here's your host, DC Matthews. Thank you, Brandon Banks, and welcome to a very special episode of Joy of Booking. My name is DC Matthews. Uh, this is a almost DC Diaries episode of The Joy of Booking because uh, you're going to hear this. I'm going to post it as soon as I finish recording. Uh, so this is Monday morning. Happy Monday to you all. And I just finished watching Money in the Bank from 2021, in case you're wa- listening well into the future. Uh, I just finished Money in the Bank. I knew I wasn't going to watch the entire thing live. And so I decided to go dark on social media to avoid Twitter, to avoid spoilers. I only really watched uh, the first match uh, last night, and I watched everything else this morning. I watched a good portion of it. In fact, I think, uh, with a couple of fast-forwarding exceptions, I watched pretty much the whole thing. But we'll get to that. I have one, two, three, four, five and a third pages of notes that I wrote in a notebook. Uh, and so I'm just going to share my thoughts on what was, when you take everything into consideration, a very good pay-per-view. Uh, top to bottom, start to finish, very good pay-per-view, as WWE does. Their pay-per-views are almost always quality. Might not be quality from start to stop, but it is pretty good 90 to 100% of the time, I will say. If you disagree, then I think you've either drank uh, some Kool-Aid from some other people or you're no longer looking for what wrestling can give you. And you should probably look elsewhere. Um, I could go on and pontificate about that, but I want to talk about what I came here to talk about. So let's get into Money in the Bank. Uh, We start out with the women's match. I always want to see creative money in the bank gimmicks. Uh, And I don't mean in terms of the characters. I mean, with the briefcase itself, I think you can do a whole lot more with that. And maybe this is where we'll get into that joy of booking sort of thing. I'm listening to the ring announcer. I don't know his name. Talk about he goes through the, the rules of the Money in the Bank match and how you can cash it in for a championship opportunity for up to a year. How have we never had a gimmick in which the person is running out of time? They keep waiting. They're waiting. They're biding their time. They're biding their time. They're biding their time. And then all of a sudden, it's like the month before Money in the Bank of the next year. And they know that when that Brief, when that briefcase gets taken away and hung back up, um, they lose that championship. So now they're trying to cash in at any and all opportunities, and but they're still trying to pick their spots. I understand that requires very long-term booking. I understand that requires someone who is, or you know, everyone deciding we're going to just watch this person carry around the briefcase literally for eleven months and two weeks. But I think that would be great. I also don't know why we have never seen a briefcase holder stalking the champion. I want them coming to ringside every match, sitting there, 
briefcase in hand. Bray Wyatt would have been great at this with the rocking chair, by the way. Uh, Sitting out there, briefcase in hand, and every time it looks as if uh, the champion is faltering in their match, any time the champion has just won a hard-fought match, that briefcase winner gets up, gets onto the apron, looks like he's going to hand, or she is going to hand their briefcase to another person, and then doesn't, and smiles, and waves, and walks away. And so you have a champion who is, at some point you could do it, in fear of the contender, because they're just everywhere. Again, long-term booking maybe doesn't work, but I thought those two gimmicks would be real fun to see with a briefcase. Uh why is the referee always so confused about cash-ins? We were, you know, they showed throughout the night, especially during the latter matches, they showed cash-ins. And I think it was Alexa's. And she hands the briefcase and she points to it. And the referee's like, huh, really? You want to ca-? The referee should know by now. Speaking of Alexa Bliss, uh, she's just amazing. Just the work that she is doing with that character, the the standing you know, balanced on the ropes and having no reaction to the other entrances. Just delightful. Love that character. Uh, I don't understand why Nick. it's not Nikki Ash. It's Nikki A-S-H. That's a little weird. Uh, let's see. I, you know, I, so these would have all been tweets probably. I'm not going to read all of them. I'll skip around here. However, I will say watching Zelina Vega enter the ring, I want to watch her wrestle Sasha Banks, and I don't say that often because I don't particularly care for Sasha Banks, as you well know, but I would like to watch a Zelina-Sasha program. Uh, Pat McAfee. I didn't understand the whole thing. I didn't know who he was. Uh, I thought the, the shorts all the time was a little goofy, even though I'm a guy who would wear shorts all the time if I could. Uh, but the excitement you heard from him when he Naomi's entrance hit and he was like, I never get to do this. That's what you want from a commentator. I, I understand people on Twitter have been talking about the difference between McAfee and Morrow. Uh, I liked Morrow. You know, I think he got a little, uh, I think he got a little WWE eyes, honestly. You know, WWE is all about you want catchphrases, you want those kind of things. It's boss time, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And Morrow fell into that trap, but he turned it into his cavalcade of kicks and all of that sort of thing. Uh, But Pat McAfee, great commentator, just waiting for Adam Cole to show up and kick him in the face. Uh, Throughout the night, the the digital effects, the augmented reality sort of thing that we're getting, with with a couple of exceptions... I'm really starting to dig. I didn't like it at first, but I'm really starting to to dig it now. Um, Pat and Michael Cole are very good together. Uh, That whole match, let's talk about that whole match rather than me reading all of this. Um, It was awkward. It was not the best Money in the Bank match I've ever seen. Uh, Clearly, you needed Natalia and Tamina in there. Let me say that again. You needed Natalia and Tamina in there to sort of be the ring generals, kind of control the flow of the match, because you had Liv Morgan, who's still relatively new. Uh, Zelina Vega, relatively new. (laughs) 
Naomi and Asuka, they do just fine. But you needed the two of them, the tag team champions, to sort of kind of be the anchor point for everything else to play off of. And I love whenever Tamina gets to just be big and bad and from the Polynesian Islands and just destroy people. Let's, uh, da, da. Yeah, it was awkward. There, there were some awkward moments during that women's match. I, I'd like to point out, I should have mentioned this from the jump, I still haven't been on Twitter. I have no idea what other people thought of this show. This is literally just what I thought. I just finished it. I have no influence from what everyone else says because that's kind of what happens on Twitter is you can get a little influence. You're like, I really like that spot. And then somebody comes out and goes, well, I didn't like it because of this or I didn't care for it because of that. And you go, oh, yeah, I guess it wasn't that good. These are, without having talked to anybody, my honest opinions of the night. Um the hypnosis spot on the ladder, I understand a lot of people are going to think that's dumb, but Zelina played it very well, and I love it. I would have liked to see Alexa win the briefcase because she would have stalked the champion. All right. Uh, to talk about Zelina and Liv Vega for a second, I, I'm about a week behind on Piece of Business podcast. I have a random way I decide what podcast to listen to. It's incredibly nerdy. It involves me asking Siri to pick a random number. Regardless. I'm a week behind, but on the episode I just listened to, Glenn, bestest of the besties, suggested that Shotzi and Tegan win the uh, tag titles, women's tag titles, and unify them because we only need one of those. I agree. The reason I'm bringing that up to talk about Zelina and Liv Vega, or Zelina Vega and Liv Morgan, I had to restart my computer. Like I lost some audio. I had to restart my computer. I'm a little frazzled right now. I'll get back into it. Zelina and Liv would be an excellent feud for a mid-card title. If WWE had a women's mid-card title. And considering that uh, the U.S. title was not defended um, or even featured on Money in the Bank, the Intercontinental Champion was not featured at Money in the Bank, and the Intercontinental Champion didn't even make it onto TV on SmackDown why do we need two men's mid-card titles? Why not give the U.S. title to the women for a while? Or something of that nature. Uh, but I like them both, Zelina and Liv. But that would be a mid-card title feud that would be very, very good. Uh, let's see. It did my heart good to see Superfan Smiles, uh, the guy in the lime green shirt. I think that's his name. I follow him on Twitter. Uh, <clears throat> sit in front row center. I don't know how he gets those seats. Uh when the when everyone decided to pile the ladders on top of Alexa, I was convinced that we were going to see some wrestle spooky. And then the three ladders are set up. They all climb up. I was expecting the lights to go out. And then when the lights came back on, Alexa's out of the ring, sitting on top of the pile of ladders with the briefcase. I thought that would have been a great moment. Having said that... Uh, the fact that Nikki crawled, literally crawled over Liv Morgan to get that briefcase is great. And the fact that Nikki made the character, created the character, is putting her all into it. I, I honestly don't care whether or not she succeeds in cashing in. That was a great moment for her. And it was not a great match, but it certainly had good moments. <clears throat> I almost wondered. I did right. Does she cash in today? Clearly that didn't happen. But it'll be fun to see where that goes with Nikki Ash. I'm not calling her Nikki A-S-H. Nikki Ash 
uh, with the briefcase. Uh, never let it be said that Vince McMahon will let a problem with alcohol stand in the way of a good story. I, I don't love the Jimmy Uso uh, won the tag titles. You know, just a few weeks ago, he's arrested again for driving under the influence. He was seriously inebriated. He, he was seriously putting people's lives in danger. That doesn't seem to matter because the bloodline story needed to keep happening. What are you going to do? It's a good story. Don't get me wrong. But I can't, I can't feel great about enjoying it. Especially when Roman talks about how they're all covered in gold. And those belts, those tag belts, are clearly silver. Just saying. Um, <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, I talked about how Viking meant Raiders. So the Viking Raiders are the Raider Raiders. Uh, I also know now although I knew this before too, Vikings never wore horned helmets. There's very little historical evidence to suggest that Vikings wore the horned helmets. So the fact that Eric and Ivar uh, had horned helmets is a little weird. Let's get to the, the major theme of this pay-per-view, which to me is, is, I can phrase it in a question. Is everyone aligned how they should be aligned? I could probably have come up with a better question. What I mean by that is we haven't had fans on a regular basis in a very long time. WWE has spent the last year and a half or so um, telling us who to cheer and who to boo based on the reactions that they share with us. So I'm watching Viking Raiders, who are not connecting with the fans at all. It felt the reaction, at least from my perspective at five-something this morning, was tepid at best. Meanwhile, they're cheering their heads off for AJ Styles, and they are loving the Colossus almost because he's big and he's huge, and you cheer for big and huge unless they're Giant Gonzalez or Greg Cully. So why are the Viking Raiders the babyfaces, and why are AJ and almost the heels? The crowd clearly said to us, we don't agree with how you think this is supposed to go, you know? And, and the Viking Raiders, they showed all the silly goofiness uh, before the match. I don't know why. Let them be heels. Let them be badasses. Let them run over people and hurt people and destroy people. Because when that happens, guess what? They'll actually start getting cheered. And then, you know, I like the AJ and Almost team, but AJ's clearly ready for another main event run. I don't know how many more years he plans on wrestling. Maybe it's, it's a couple. Maybe it's not. He would fit in well. Maybe not with Lashley necessarily, based on what we saw uh, last night, but he would fit in with McIntyre or Rollins or Reigns or another feud with Cena or anything like that. Oops, sorry, spoilers. Um, so, you know, it seemed it's just seemed a little weird. I also wonder if the chants are real. Some of the chants started uh, so loudly and ended so quickly that it felt like they might have been piped in. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. I forgot how good AJ is. Almost is pretty good, too. Um, yeah, the, the moves of the Viking Raiders 
with some exception. That springboard clothesline German suplex thing was great, but the crowd didn't seem to care. And this is going to come up again with some other people. Uh, they just didn't seem to care. Uh, and we saw it, uh, what was it, Backlash, whatever, or maybe it was Mania, when AJ and almost wrestled New Day. The New Day were the heels of that match. Clearly loving the fact that they got to be heels again. But they were the heels of that match. So why are we still having AJ and almost get booed? Because the Viking Raiders would have gotten a better crowd reaction if they had been heels. And again, kept AJ away from tagging his partner. Uh, Yeah, it was a good match, but I think it would have been better if it had been the other way around. Oh, I wrote from the back of the notebook. This notebook has other things that I can't talk about yet. Uh, The Drew McIntyre interview, lots of boos sounded like. Again, I think, you know, poor McIntyre. COVID happened at the worst possible moment for him. He wins the Rumble. Or did he win? Yeah, he wins the Rumble. Um, You know, he's going to beat Brock Lesnar in front of all of these fans, have a nice long run, and because he had to be featured so prominently, at this point the crowd's, I think, a little tired of him. Heel turn might not be a bad idea. Uh, And, you know, again, this seems that the crowds over the next few weeks are going to tell us where everybody's at. And I hope WWE leans into that. I would hope that WWE would sit back, either put people in the crowd or just listen. And if you see someone who is getting wicked amounts of cheers, despite the fact that you have kind of painted them as heel, maybe let's rethink that and vice versa. Um, I like the Skeletor getup for uh, Kofi. And, you know, that match was what it needed to be. Lashley needed to, as as of Monday, when he took apart the VIP lounge and kind of reestablished himself as a scary, scary monster, we needed that to be a squash. And Kofi, to his credit, will get squashed by bigger wrestlers. Now, I understand that the rumor is we're getting Goldberg. I'm personally fine with that. I don't have a problem if it's Goldberg. However... From, a, from an optics perspective, the last time Kofi got manhandled like that, besides almost, was Lesnar. So it would make more sense to have it be Lashley versus Lesnar, but then that brings up the Paul Heyman question. Can Paul Heyman be on both shows advocating for uh, Lesnar and advising Roman Reigns? I think so, but... It would be a little weird, I suppose. Um, The the last thing I will say about that match, because it was quick, and that's, again, that's what it needed to be. Uh, If we get to Survivor Series and it's Lashley versus Roman and an MVP's there and Heyman's there, that's going to be so good. Lashley and Roman's good all on its own. Adding their managers and voice boxes and all of that's going to make it so much better. Um, Yeah. I I hope to hear, when I get back on Twitter, I hope to hear from some of the people in Fort Worth and get some reports on the crowd because it just, certain things felt flat. I didn't feel like they were really cheering for Rhea Ripley. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But I didn't feel like they were cheering for Rhea Ripley. uh, During her entrance, especially. Uh, I like the augmented reality, the lightning for Lashley, the dripping gold or whatever that was for Charlotte. Uh, Ray is another one. 
is she a baby face? Is she a heel? I don't know. The crowd seemed, and I think this is just a testament to Charlotte's ability to work the crowd and to get those reactions. Um, the crowd seemed apathetic, if a little, eh, towards Rhea. And Charlotte got more cheers, I think, because she, again, the psychology and setting up the spots was a little better. We forget that Rhea is, what is she, 24, I think? I'm not going to look it up. Um, you know, she's in her mid-20s. She doesn't have a ton of experience. You know, we forget that, like, she's good. Don't get me wrong. She's good. But she is where Charlotte was six-ish years ago. So, you know, uh, people said, I think, during her matches with Asuka after WrestleMania, around WrestleMania, that they weren't sure if Rhea was, you know, as good as she needed to be. Well, she's not as good as quote-unquote she needs to be she's young she's learning but the match was good i enjoyed it uh i'll be interested to see if there's any fallout charlotte you know gave a crotch chop and then flipped off the fans and on my broadcast the morning after they cut to black i don't know if that happened live um you know the we want becky chance she was never going to show up last night especially given how the show ended they were never going to have becky show up she shows up tomorrow because now i'm thinking i have here before i took my notes a couple days ago i wrote down my my recent uh you know sort of picks for how SummerSlam was going to work out you know i have lashley versus goldberg there and some other ones that some are right some are wrong um but i would imagine becky shows up on raw next tomorrow or tonight um to face off with charlotte because i think now we're getting charlotte becky and then it would make the most sense to do bianca sasha too because we haven't seen sasha so i think becky shows up tonight sasha shows up on friday that would be my guess uh you know um the match had a good ending this women's title match the middle was a little they, they kind of, I don't know if they just weren't sure what to do. It just got a little slow in the middle. Again, Rhea should be here, or should be a heel, although the crowd got into it when she physically muscled. She clearly didn't get enough lift on that suplex spot, but she powered her way through it. That was pretty impressive. Oh, going back. I started the notebook again in the back, so... <clears throat> um, I think that was the first This Is Awesome chant during that women's match. I don't recall see, hearing one during the women's ladder match, which was interesting. Uh, Charlotte's amazing. The top rope natural selection, I was sure that was the ending. My question is, when she bashes Rhea's head into the ring post, and then she puts her leg in the stairs and stomps on it, I was convinced that was going to be a DQ, which was what my prediction was on Twitter Earlier on Sunday, I predicted Charlotte intentionally gets herself disqualified. That sets up the rubber match, Charlotte Rhea, uh, in some no-DQ stipulation. I don't know why that was allowed. You know, <clears throat> and it, this goes back. We've had these conversations about foreign objects before. If it's attached to the ring, apparently it's okay. So, like, using stairs is fine. But if you get a chair, that's a disqualification. That rule is dumb. But, you know, I was really hoping my prediction would come true. And, yeah, my, my last thought on that match is Becky, question mark, SummerSlam, question mark. I think that's it. 
let's talk about how much I hate Riddle Muse. I hate him so much. I hate his stupid voice. I hate his stupid scooter. I hate his stupid flip-flops, and I hate his stupid birds. I hate him. I hate him. Everything about him I don't like. Until the bell rings, and then he's decent. The RKO's was great. I have no idea where that storyline's going, but the RKO's were great. Um, yeah, I just, I really can't stand that whole thing with him backstage with Rick Boogs. I, Kevin Owens saved it, but I was, I was in physical pain that entire time. Um, you know, I wrote, I wanted Shinsuke to take on Roman. I, I still do, although I understand that that's not happening now. Um, I don't know what a drip stick is. I don't really know what drip is, if I'm being honest. Uh, Biggie comes out in that outfit, and I wrote down that's a main event level outfit for Biggie. His singlet was not goofy. It was not silly. That was a this is a main event level outfit. You know, even with the big giant Titan Tron being, you know, bright and colorful and new dayish, that outfit was not. Um, Rollins and Morrison arguing over Drip was funny, and then they actually formed a pretty decent team. I was like, I'd watch more of that. That was, that was a good alliance there. Um, Biggie looked right at home with that Hoss fight matchup with Drew McIntyre. Uh, the spear looked scary. I was a little worried that Biggie had hurt himself. Um, I don't give Morrison enough credit. These are just, again, these are. These are random, my random thoughts. So I'm jumping around here, which we're 25 minutes in. You've figured that out by now. Uh, but I don't give Morrison enough credit. He's really good, real, real good, uh, even though he kind of missed the, the ladder spot. He was doing some Starship Pain sort of move and came down next to the ladder, which may have been intentional. But uh, I wrote Drip Brothers in all capital letters. Uh, the fact that Kevin Owens can do a Lion Salt I knew he was going to do some ridiculous spot, and that powerbomb spot was, in fact, ridiculous. But the fact that he also breaks out a lion salt is just ridiculous. Um, okay, let's get to the best moment of the whole show up until that point. Up until that point. The best moment of the whole show is when Ginger came out, to me. Because I was like, that that's the match. They're clearly building to a SummerSlam match, so... Mahal's got to ruin it, and I didn't expect them to pull the trigger on that, and they did. Having the two guys, Shrunken Great Kali and the other guy, uh, coming out to you know take him off the ladder, and then the chair shots, and then dragging him away. Oh, it was beautiful. I loved that a lot. Um, close. A follow-up right after that to another one of my favorite spots of the night, Ricochet. Walking the ropes, jumping onto the ladder, then falling off the ladder, hitting the springboard. I'll show you how good that is. Um, my wife does not watch wrestling unless it's to, you know, to appease me. I went out with my Chromebook because I can watch it on Peacock. I'm, Peacock is growing on me because I can watch it on my Chromebook. And I walked over and I sat down and I showed her that 15 seconds. And she was amazed. You know, she appreciates the gymnastics element of it. That was ridiculous, Ricochet. Unreal. Um, again, I don't know what a dripstick is, but it was used in the match. I love how, 
you know, six or seven minutes into one of these matches, you, you set up a ladder somewhere. You prop it up between the ring apron and the table. And then 10 minutes go by and you forget it's there until you don't forget it's there. Um, Owens is up on the ladder and McIntyre shows up and I went, oh, that ladder's over there. And there was the powerbomb spot. And again, brutal. The big ending off the ladder was crazy. I expected that would be the last thing Biggie did. I figured he'd hit that spot and then someone else would show up and take the briefcase. I never thought that Biggie was going to win that. I thought, you know, I, I wrote a tweet and said yeah, he doesn't need it. And he didn't need it. But the fact that he has it is amazing. And the one thing I did do on Twitter this morning is I, I just typed in Xavier Woods WWE on Google because I knew he'd have something to say about it. And the picture of him and Kofi, Kofi still looking a little beaten down, Xavier with a grin a mile wide and Big E in the middle with the briefcase. That was amazing. So I loved it. Uh, that was my favorite match of the night, the whole thing. Uh, side note, Applebee's commercial featuring mascot DD, uh, of DDT Wrestling, Lindsay Dorado. Gotta love it. It's a silly commercial, but Lindsay was in there with his mask. I love it. So here's where I was. Oh, I keep going the wrong way. Um, here's where I was. I can see there's about an hour left of the show. And I'm tired. I've watched wrestling all morning. It's not late at night. It's, um, but there's an hour left. I don't want to watch Roman Reigns and Edge wrestle for an hour. I don't. I know how it's going to end. I don't want to see it. Uh, and I've been playing Fallout 4. And because I can watch this on Peacock, I had the match going on Peacock, and I started playing Fallout 4. Um, so I didn't see... I wasn't watching the entire match in the same way I watched all the others. Because for all the other matches, I was not distracted by Twitter. I was not distracted by anything else except my notebook. I just watched. Um, and, you know, this is the downside of watching after the fact because you can see how much longer there is in the show, or so I thought. Um, the Rollins interview afterwards was great, but let's talk about that for a minute. You know, he's obviously upset. He needs a new plan. He needs a new plan. And then he says, whoever, you know, he blames Edge, but then he says, whoever wins the money in the, or whoever wins the main event, I've got next. Except he doesn't. Why do you say that? in the segment before the main event, and then you interfere in the main event and take out one of the people. Clearly, you don't have next. Clearly, your feud is with Edge. Um, and so, yes, they kind of salvaged it by having the Rollins-Reigns face-off moment and being like, if it wasn't for me, the Edge would be champion. But that just seemed off to me. He should have blamed Edge and just blamed Edge the entire time that would have made more sense, and that would have explained why he showed up in the match. Um, I, I talked about the augmented reality. The one I don't like is Roman. I don't like it. It looks weird. I don't like it. Uh, from what I watched, you know, having one eye on this and one eye on Fallout, uh, I thought the match was good. It was exactly what you expected it to be. It was good. Um, but I knew how it was going to end. You knew the Usos were going to come out. The Mysterios also came out, which makes sense. But, you know, 
I ex- didn't expect Rollins to show up because of what happened in the you know in the promo before, but when he showed up, I knew what was going to happen. He takes out Edge, they brawl, Roman gets the win. I'm sure the match was good. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure the match was good. I never care about the main event matches, ever. I never care about them. I don't know why, but it just for whatever reason, that never works for me. But then Roman, and so I'm like, the match is over, and I look, and I go, there's like 20 minutes left. Huh. And then Roman gets a microphone, and I went, oh, something's going to happen. This show is not going to end with Roman cutting a promo and walking away. Someone's going to show up. At first, I thought it'd be Big E. I thought it would be Big E. I didn't think he was going to cash in, but I figured he'd come back out with the briefcase and say SummerSlam, and that would be it. Like, he'd, he'd call his shot. And I was like, all right, cool, Biggie." And in the back of my head, I'm like, Lesnar? Could be Lesnar. Uh, I think we've done Goldberg already. And just as I'm thinking in my head, you know who else it could be? The music hits, and that crowd lost their mind. I'm going to have to go back and watch it again because I lost my mind a bit because I didn't think he was coming back. And, you know, a lot of people have talked. Eddie McCabe has talked about it. Uh, Doc has probably talked about it. Glenn and Jeremy have talked about it. How WWE over the last few years hasn't built big megastars. I don't necessarily know that that's entirely WWE's fault. You need the right person to build a megastar out of. Um, But Exhibit A, that crowd was so loud and just constant for John Cena. You know, nothing came close. Becky Lynch will show up tonight. Sasha Banks will show up. It won't come close. Maybe Becky. Becky might be the one exception. Uh, But yeah, he comes out. He's got the Zach Morris hair. He's, you know, he's doing all of his usual stuff. He's slapping five with the cameraman. He's doing everything you want out of John Cena. And it was amazing. It was a great moment to end a very good pay-per-view because now you're going to have, let me go back to my list. I'll read you my whole list of what I thought the matches were going to be. Lashley versus Goldberg, based on the rumors, probably going to happen. McIntyre versus Mahal, probably going to happen. Sheamus versus Priest, I have no idea if that's going to happen or not. I, Vikings versus New Day versus T-Bar and Mace, absolutely not. Uh, Rhea versus Charlotte, probably not. Roman versus Cena, yep. Uh, Cruz versus Cesaro, hope so. Bianca versus Sasha, yep. And then I have my last one is Natty and Tamina versus Eva and Dewdrop. I'm sure we'll get a multi team women's tag team match and even Dewdrop will be part of it uh but yeah it, what a great, it was a good show it was a very good show and I hope you enjoyed it I hope that when I check Twitter as soon as I finish this I will check Twitter and I hope it's overwhelmingly positive I know the best you chat will be but I hope just it's overwhelmingly positive I hope that if you enjoyed the show You avoid the people who didn't. Don't engage. Don't get into arguments with dumb people, Chip. 
don't get distracted and worked up and post kind of odd emo tweets about dumb people, Chip. Leave them alone. Mute them. Ignore them. They disappear. It's real easy. Uh, and if you didn't like it, for the love of God, go find something else to do. Video games, other shows, other promotions. Fine. You want to be an AEW stan? Whatever that means? Fine. Do that. Do that. But shut up about it. Don't talk about how bad WWE is. Who walks around talking about all the stuff they don't like? What do you like? Spend time engaging with the things that you like. I liked watching Money in the Bank, and I liked recording this podcast, and that's what matters. I'm DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. Uh, maybe not a lot of booking on this episode, but certainly a lot of joy, which is all that matters. I'll see you the next time we celebrate the joy of booking.